Welcome to the TNT EdTech Podcast. We know tech. We are your hosts. I'm Scott the Teacher. And I'm Matthew the Tech Coach. Welcome to episode seven of the TNT EdTech Podcast. Whoa, this is amazing. We're in episode seven, Scott. So is this like our, if we get past this episode, past the seven year itch, we really made it? Yeah, so statistically, uh, we heard when we were reviewing podcast stuff before we decided to go all in with the TNT EdTech Podcast Uh, Some of the stats say most podcasts don't make it past seven episodes. So we are hopeful. We're at episode seven. All we need is one more and we're good to go. Well, we have so many ideas for so many more episodes. (laughs) I I think we're going to make it to 700. Yeah, I I think so. I think we have at least like 25 ideas (laughs) uh, on paper and probably uh, another couple dozen in our minds. So uh, look forward for some uh, new fresh content coming up. Oh, that's exciting. I'm really excited for today's guest, uh, Paul Gordon. You have a story of how you kind of networked and used social media and got into it and at conferences to know our guests. Yeah, so I want to get into that. So we got to kind of back up a little bit to Schoology Next conference uh, in San Diego, technically Carlsbad, right? Just a little north. Uh, July 2018. So at this time, I had eight followers, and Matthew was one. <laughs> and I didn't even really tweet that much yet. And I was like, your top. Yeah, he was my top follower. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that kind of shows you how far I've come in less than a year in terms of social media. So I always like to share a little bit about that story to encourage people. What really got me going was encouragement from the other Schoology users. They were having a contest. Whoever had the most tweets, retweets, and like tweets and likes combined with the Schoology Next hashtag got a free ticket. And so I thought, hey, I'll I'll try and then realized, okay, I'm sharing and um, my name wasn't quite on the board yet, but I was slowly climbing and then I got really into it and I started doing more and more over the course of the conference and then I eventually made it to the top 10 towards the last super competitive person at heart and I'm like, okay, I did the math and, you know, if I tweet this much and, you know, go to these sessions, like I, I should get some some retweets and likes and things like that and I'm getting more followers, um, let, let me try it. And the top person who actually won is Rachel Murat, and she's over out of New York, and she does social science. And it's really interesting because it just so, hap- it just so happens to be one of Paul Gordon's high school teachers. So, it, yeah, it shows how connected the world really is it's crazy that i would meet them both separately they're both from new york he moved to california years ago became a teacher in palm springs we finally connected at the q conference this march and i met him on twitter and not through her they weren't even friends i'm the one that connected them i um had tagged her in a post and he recognized the name and he thought no it can't be 
my teacher from high school. No way. <laughs> and sure enough, it was. And so now they connect, which is so cool. So uh, if you ever doubt the power of Twitter or PLN, let let that be a guide for you. Anything's possible with, with Twitter and the internet these days. <laughs> That's a great story. Tech Avengers. Uh, so our guest is Paul Gordon. He's a fifth grade teacher from Cielo Vista Charter School in Palm Springs. Paul comes to California in way of growing up in upstate New York. His interests and hobbies are in Steam, 3D printing, Raspberry Pi, and he has a new website. Do you want to share that? Story? Yeah, he has a new website with Jesus Huerta. It so one of our previous guests, uh, the Leroy Finkel Fellowship winner from um, 2019 this year at the Q Conference, and their joint website is www. Easy as one two three, and then the letter D, like one two three D. It's a cool pun, and it's dot uh, org uh, is what it ends in. So easy as one two three d dot org, and it has a ton of resources on there for three D printing, Steam, uh, those types of things. And so be sure to check that out. And welcome, Paul, to TNT Ed Tech Podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. I noticed on your Twitter profile you talk about that you're a teacher first and a technology enthusiast. Yeah, so my th philosophy is that the students always come first, where student engagement, student improvement, student growth is always more important than whatever I want to do. What I want to do is to incorporate all the technology I can in a classroom in whichever way that may be. However, if it's not proper and it's right for the student, then I don't do it for that year. So I really say teacher is first because the students really come first. And I'm just, I'm not really much of a teacher. It's more of a facilitator and leader, and that's my style. You could probably put some ph philosophical person behind that. Sorry, uh, graduate level classes. I forgot the name of that person, but <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I really a facilitator more than a than a leader and a director. So that's really truly what it is. Yeah. Hey, Paul, if you could uh, share with our listeners and let them know about some of the cool classroom things you're doing, that'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah. So I first have to thank my principals and admin for letting me be able to be such a free spirit in how I do these things. So shout out to Devlin Clinton, Juanita Perez Chica, and Jennifer Geyer. They've really just allowed me to do whatever I found has expressed myself and been able to express to students in the best way possible. So a couple years ago, I was able to go to Q, Spring Q, and I met one of my now good friends, uh, Jesus Huerta. Find him on Twitter, follow him. He's really helpful. And he got me into the whole idea of 3D printing. And long story short, I was there talking. He was doing a little uh, playground session on it. And... I was talking to him for probably about a half hour or so. I said, here's my phone, order whatever I need. And from there, it's kind of just blasted from there to 3D printing, to virtual reality in the classroom, to I've 
previous summers I got Raspberry Pi certified, which made me start a code club. Everyone should do one of those. Everyone should apply for Pi Academy. I'm really excited to be doing uh, facilitating Pi Academy Irvine this year, which is going to be really fun, and to see all the people and really excited people. But I, I digress. Going back to the classroom, it really turned into if anything can work and it looks right, we're going to do it. So it is a lot of project-based learning and a lot of projects that students are making in the classroom. But in doing so, it's whatever they feel they can express their knowledge and information on any given topic. So, I mean, recently we've been doing some, we've been doing novel studies, we read a book together, and I posed a question to them. I said, hey, where do you want to do your, or how do you want to do your, your project? Because I, I wanted a culminating project where the students were able to tell me that they understood the book, they, they wanted to learn from the book, and what they got out of the book. And I didn't know how to do it. There's nothing on Teachers Pay Teachers. I'm not a Teachers Pay Teachers type person, so I'm not going to go looking for a unit test or a hyperdoc or something like that. I really wanted the students just to express themselves in whichever way, and I, I kind of called it my hippie moment, where they can express themselves as freely and as nice as they wanted to. And I, I said, make it school appropriate, for fifth grade especially. And I said, do whatever you want that tells me that you understand about the book. And I actually posted that onto Twitter and ooh, that blew up real quick for me. Yeah, yeah. tell me a little bit uh, about that because I'm always looking to get a little better with, with Twitter and some different things and that's what I hear a lot from our audience. They want kind of these social media tips. So um, yeah. what do you think made that really stand out and catch so much attention. You know what? It's a lot of whoever you may tag some of the the biggest people with twenty, thirty thousand followers, but if the people are not going to respond to you, it's not worth tagging them to me. And that's my personal input. Because if you want to have a good conversation, you want to build your uh, your clout and everything, you really want to tag people that are going to have meaningful conversations with you. And that is something that I've found has been very, very important. Where I'm having these conversations with people that have 20, 30, 50 followers, but to them it was the most important conversation they had that night. And to me, that that's also so important that we're getting every single person. Because a person who has 50,000 followers is not, yeah, it's going to be cool whenever they retweet you or comment back to you, but they really, if they don't jump into a conversation with you and expand everyone's horizons and knowledge, <coughs> to me it's not worth it. So my whole thing is that I like to talk to people that are really going to be having meaningful conversations like I have with my students where it's a highway comment versus a dead-end comment, where a dead-end comment is like, oh, cool, take a look at this, versus, hey, how did that work, and what did you try that made this work so well, where you continue that conversation. And when these conversations keep on going and people are talking that's really when it's the most meaningful. And it doesn't have to be the amount of followers, like I said before. It's really what are they putting back into it and having that conversation. No, oh, that's huge. I really liked what you had to say about the amount of followers, too. Like, it doesn't necessarily matter. You're so right. And somebody with all these followers, 
you know, responds, or even if they do jump in a conversation, it, it's super cool. I've been in yeah, a couple of a those. Bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, totally it, it's super moment. cool. But that doesn't mean a conversation with somebody that has less than 100 followers can't be just as good or as powerful. Yeah, yeah it's meaningful and impactful. And I think about that, not in terms of numbers, but you know, thinking about past conversations, they've been with those types of people. That's how I connected with you. That's how I connected with Jesus is by, you know, tagging each other like, hey, jump in on this. Hey, this guy knows a little bit about this. What do you think? And those kinds of things. And then before you know it, it's kind of like a party on Twitter, the good kind of party where everybody's learning contributing and it's when your phone uh, stops showing notifications is when it got big <laughs> yeah 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 speaking of which that reminds me of a conversation we had talk about uh you guest moderating the q chat oh yeah that what was, was that like that was phenomenal i that was like an hour's worth of just craziness where i locked myself in my uh office and had like four screens going just to, to make sure that i want that i was able to hit every person's comment and conversation and i still couldn't do it and oh my gosh that was so much fun though <laughs> where we're i had a conversation at uh spring queue with april and april said hey do you want to do it? i go absolutely sign me up when can i do it and i was like uh what do i do what do i do and i was super happy that she was like yeah this is your it's your first time but who cares we're gonna have a good time while doing it I mean, there's probably mistakes that I made throughout. I didn't use the. I know you're an English teacher, so I I didn't use the <laughs> most proper grammar. But the point of it was that I mean, it was just so much fun. You're all there for the right reasons and the same reason where you want to learn and grow as much as you can. Yeah, can you relate, Matthew? You remember our first uh, chat that we moderated? Yeah, so the um, Central California Q CCQ. Uh, just uh, what was that? Two months ago, we yeah we were able to host our first Q chat. It was a first Twitter chat. I'm just getting into Twitter slowly but surely, and it was the first uh, Twitter chat that I was involved with. And at the very first, I didn't even know what Q one meant, A one meant. I was trying to get that lingo down, and then uh, just how <laughs> fast it was moving. But then over time, you know, our role as the host was really making sure to make others be heard, to give feedback to them, uh, to kind of continue the discussion, to kind of elevate uh, what was being said. And I really liked that part of once I got to see that part of hosting a chat. Yeah, you know, I've never used TweetDeck before, but when I did the hosting, I used TweetDeck and I just searched via the hashtag and that opened me up to a lot of people that i'm like whoa i asked this question people are answering and i've never heard of them or seen them before but because they were uh, using the hashtag i was able to see it that way and very easily i don't know if that's proper english yeah (laughs) it works Uh, (laughs) no i notice everybody i talk to who's moderated they say do the same thing and alice killer gave myself and marcia carrillo a pro tip of hers and that's you keep at least two tabs open in tweet deck when you're moderating one that's kind of uh real time and then one where you're kind of going through things and you're 
you know, checking everybody, but then you can also kind of look over to your left or your right and see all of the new things popping up. And what I notice the pros do and what I've tried to do too when I'm moderating is really get some preset comments for before and after. Uh, just to make sure you're having some content so you can go deeper into those sidebar conversations. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, scheduling tweets was a whole new concept for me where scheduling at certain times where I was able to respond and talk in real time and I didn't really have to worry about, oh, is the next question going out? So uh, scheduling tweets in certain times was a phenomenal little op eye-opener for me. Yeah, I'm going to throw a couple zingers your way. Maybe not zingers, but I'm going to pile on like three things just so I don't forget. So maybe um, maybe you're doing like a zinger and a twinkie and a... <laughs> and a ho-ho uh, or yeah, ding-dong. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you to give us the dates on Pi Academy and talk a little bit about your PBL strats and mention Kids Boom. Um, so anyways, Coolest Projects USA was hosted by Raspberry Pi at the Discovery Cube or in Orange County, California. That was on in March, and that was seriously one of the coolest. I, I mean, I, I can't think of another word other than what's the name of it. It was seriously the coolest projects you've ever seen. And I was honored to uh, judge with a couple of like really, really, really important people, and I felt like I wasn't, I felt the odd man out. And I'm like, yeah, uh, you guys are important, and I'm just a classroom teacher. What's going on here? <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, but you're our certified educator. We'd love to. We love have, hearing about your stories. We love hearing that." I go, "Okay, that's cool. Let's keep it going." And I'll tell you, I'm, I teach fifth grade, so I don't really deal with the whole API and things like that. But my partner, my uh, judge partner, who is Rob Z, who's a, one of the writers for Magpie which is a Raspberry Pi uh, magazine. He, I mean, he's a wizard at all that. It was great that the two of us just tag-teamed eight projects, and we were just like, okay, so how does this work? What does that look like? And a couple of them were like unreal. One of them was a uh, robotic wheelchair, so if someone fell over, their wheelchair would come to them and help them out and call for help. It was kind of like Life Alert wheelchair. Wow, and it was that's it, pretty cool. It was super cool. Another one was it was a kid out of, I think it was uh, New Orleans or something like that. It was somewhere they traveled far to get here. I mean, they drove for like three, four days to get here. And what they did was that they were using solar, no, not solar, wind power to create. I don't even know. I don't even know efficiency of wind power on sidewalks and medians of roads. So basically, they were going to put these specialized uh, wind streams and wind tunnels and power electricity based on car movement. What? Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty efficient. It, it was super efficient, and they were using the Raspberry Pi to make it even more efficient by having wings and fins and like triangulation of how air movement and car movement and types of cars to be able to produce certain types of wind efficiency. And I'm like, uh, that's over my head. 
And I mean, these are a student project like that. I can relate. Yeah, and it's like you just have to act like uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. You're like that uh, psychologist that you we all had that one time, and they just say uh huh, uh huh, and you're just li- and they're just listening to you. Yeah, I had a student this year make a frictionless wheel. So he used hard drive magnets um, on the outside of a PVC pipe and then on the inside of a wheel. And he put the wheel over the PVC pipe and the thing is supposed to float. There were a couple mishaps and so uh, it wasn't quite working at the time, but essentially the wheel is supposed to look like it's floating it kind of spins above the pvc pipe due to i don't know what (laughs) yeah and all you can really say is just yeah that makes sense oh cool what can you do with it uh it's like you don't know what to do anymore it's like except for you that that guy that goes "Uh uh-huh 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 mind blown um speaking of projects like that what are some pbl things you do and how does that maybe tie in with uh, the kids boom you did over at Q. Yeah, so um, the the couple of the PBL projects is kind of I they're out there but not out there, and I do have to really thank my uh, my Twitter PLN because I just throw questions out at them, and, and the, like we talked before, mm-hmm. was that you know if you don't have a if you throw it out to people that are big and important sure they might respond but the people that respond to you and have like these meaningful conversations is super fun and important and it just really makes a total difference to the entire thing and a couple of the projects that i talked to them about was was a cardboard arcade so our kid um, our fifth grade goes up to big bear which is about an hour and a half away for a week to science camp and for a lot of these 10, 11 year olds, this is the first time that they've actually been away from home and they're gone for five days. And it's like, whoa, that's huge. So, and, and it's not cheap, I'll tell you that much either. So we fundraise, fundraise, fundraise. So if anyone wants to make a donation, here you go. I'll drop a link in the comments <laughs> below. <laughs> but <laughs> so a lot of the things, though, is that when you do that, you got to raise money. So I turned a cardboard arcade with the, from the inspiration of Kane's Arcade, and we did it in class where the entire school was able to come out, play a couple of arcade games for 50 cents a piece, and we made like three, 400 bucks just by doing some cardboard, cutting it up, and there was a lot of learning that I never expected to have happen in that. I don't know if anyone is familiar with fifth grade standards, but finding the area of a circle is not one of them. But the students were, they were doing whack-a-mole and they were making whack-a-mole and they're like, well, I have this big piece of cardboard and I need to make nine holes. So how big should these holes be? I go, you figure that out. They're like, but, but, but I'm like, no, that's, that's the whole point is a productive struggle. And oh boy, there was some struggle. There was some not so nice words being said but i mean in the end it really really made these students think outside the box i know that's a pun because of the whole cardboard yeah haha but (laughs) how to think and how to find their own solutions than teaching out of a textbook or notebook or something like that in front of the classroom because they're 
they're masters of their own learning and that's really what we need to do is just open up their horizons to say you know what i'm a smart kid i got to figure out what i need to do with it and that's exactly what we were able to do was that we're like just by having them choose their the game they want and then figure out whatever math they needed to do and i got a question for you is that would you correct their spelling on a project like that if you knew that it was wrong Mm. but they spent a lot i mean they went home they took it home they worked on it with their parents and it was spelled wrong what would you say i know i'm throwing a wild card at you but yeah this was a question that this was a moment i like i sat on it for a while because these these kids are super excited about what they're doing. They say, "Hey, take a look at this," and I looked at it. and I go, Whoa, "That that's spelled quite wrong." Yeah, I think it comes down to different levels. So at home, I have a third grader, and depending on you know the temperament of the the child, I may or may not. But at the high school level. You know, we have different expectations. So if they're making errors at my level, I would say, yes, I would point it out. Does it mean I would dock the grade? No, not necessarily, especially if they're able to show overall mastery of whatever it is I'm trying to teach. So if spelling isn't one of those or, you know, precise pinpoint uh, professionalism going, you know, just with the perfect project all the way around. Um, I probably wouldn't dock for it, but there are some projects or after I give feedback, I would want it fixed. So in a case like that, what I would do is I would say, Hey, here's where your project's at right now, but fix this and you fix these errors that I'm marking for you then your grade will be this, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you bring up a great question, Paul, uh, with this. Um, and I think it's, you know, the grade level as well, but I think kind of like what Scott was saying, you know, give give some really good feedback to the student on everything that was successful, but also other things that could be improved. And maybe, maybe like semester one is those projects are a lot of learning. And semester two, the rubric has a little bit more expectations to it for the student to kind of know yep. I need to kind of, these are also other areas, you know, I'm excited about this part of the project, but these are other areas that are important. Yeah. Too. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I was, for me, I definitely had a moment. I'm like, well, this kid just went home and they spent a couple of hours with their family on doing this. And I, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't have a rubric on it. And it was more of a professionalism question. I'm like, so there's no grade on this, but people are going to be seeing this. So I just had to ask that one to you guys. So I, yeah. I appreciate that. And, no, but I, I, yeah, and I, I think you do it gently, right? Yeah. Or, sorry, Matthew, yeah. you go for it. No, I mean, I think you have that. It sounds like, is there a community piece to the project or public ex, there, ex, ex, how do you say it? Exhibition? Yeah, exhibition. <laughs> yeah. There was definitely like a piece where the 950 other students of the school came by and they were playing it. So, but I mean, that the clientele you're talking about is ages 14 to 6. So how many of them knew recognized the error? Probably not that mu- many. Yeah. But still, I, I, w- I was just curious. I mean, like, if a tree falls in the woods with no one around, does it make a sound type deal? 
<laughs> and and, yeah. and we make uh we make these happy mistakes too as adults in our own projects. <laughs> oh, definitely. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, the one spot that I mean, at least I see it is always on Twitter, and you see people oh, daily for me. I think on Twitter. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. So, what's your philosophy on that one? I know. I'm now. I'm asking you the question. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. Putting me in the hot seat. I see where you're going now. Wait a second. Is is this the first episode of your podcast? (laughs) You guys didn't realize that I'm recording too. (laughs) Wait, it's California. Um, I'm legally allowed. I'm legally required to tell you I'm recording. (laughs) Okay, we're 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 good on that. We're doing some dual recording. Uh, I kid. I'm not actually recording you at all. So ask me that again. I've <laughs> all the laughter. Um, hell, where were we? Uh, oh, Twitter. Twitter and spelling errors. Oh, Twitter on that. Yeah, so, so how, how do you see Twitter in a professional setting? And as an English teacher, how do you see, like, when you see someone uh, write someone some improper English or grammar on Twitter? And are you at fault at any time doing that as well? Oh, so I'll take the last part first. I'm definitely at fault. Like I said, probably on a daily basis. I do watch it, but so many times I'll hit the send button because it's usually from my phone and there will be some kind of autocorrect or I forgot a letter, you know, some small little typo, nothing too crazy. And I'll be like, no, and it'll get sent out and then I'll either pull it back but usually by the time i go to pull it back people have already liked it and so i'm just like ah whatever what the way i feel about it is it's okay if it's not egregious and you're kind of cognizant of it like if you own it like i wouldn't say hey it's okay for you um but not okay for other people like you know if you're willing to own it Hey, it's okay if you're willing to own it for other people. Yeah, I guess if that makes any sense. So I've seen other people do it, and you know, I'm kind of okay with it. Even though I'm an English teacher, people are making mistakes, and we put out so much. It's not like back in the day where we went through these things with a fine tooth comb. It's really hard. We would put out so much less content if we did it that way. We do need attention to detail. We do need a professional brand and image this day and age. But at the same time, we're so busy with stuff. Things are moving at the speed of light. It's understandable, and we have to give people a pass as long as it's not egregious. And I've seen top tweeters. You know, pretty much everybody, it seems like, has made a mistake that I've caught here and there. Uh, And that makes me feel better. (laughs) (laughs) I know you. If you had that red pen, I bet you could find a whole bunch in mine as well. <laughs> yeah, I go with the green pen. That's my color of choice, oh, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, green now, have, green pen. You know, uh, I had read uh, about using the red pen and how it might affect students, and uh, so I used a purple pen, and my students got upset with me, and they wanted the red pen. That's what they're used to for seeing corrections. <laughs> Paul, can you tell us uh, about your Kid Boom initiative? Yeah, so I saw a tweet from, I couldn't even remember who at this point, um, 
there's just so much promotion for just the regular booms and i saw oh there's kid booms and being the local in palm springs i go you know what this is a perfect spot for my students to be able to express themselves they don't have to get a bus they don't have the parents can drive them it's just the perfect storm for that so i had a whole bunch of kids apply for presenting at kid boom and i had two wonderful girls that actually were accepted and they did it together and they just killed it they they did such an amazing job their charisma was phenomenal up there they practiced they practiced for months and i'm not even joking on that one they were practicing every day in the corner they're like hey we got to get back to math wow and they're like no 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 we got to keep practicing i apparently at one point i think i told them that they'll be in a room with about two three thousand people i don't believe i said it to them but they thought i said it to them so i must have said it to them and <laughs> when they actually had their uh when it was showtime they walked into the room and it was one of the bigger rooms at uh, spring q and it actually was packed it was standing room only and wow. i and i'm yeah yeah I, I was freaking out walking in and i go what did we just get it ourselves into now I'm freaking out because there were some pretty important people there. There was a lot of people there. I would put it probably about two, three hundred. And I go up right when they're about to go. Go. I go. Okay, you got this. A lot of people here, and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that to them. They go. <laughs> they're like, eh. and their response was, "Is this it? Or are we going to have to do it again in front of a bigger audience?" And I'm like, wow, let me just be quiet and let them think that this is a small audience for a while. <laughs> so, but I mean, for the, for just the 11 year olds to say, yeah, this isn't really that bad. There's not that many people here for two, 300 people. I know I couldn't do it. I know I would be shaking and quaking and sweating. I was, oh, yeah. I, I'd I be actually, sweating for sure. I was sweating for sure. And I was like, uh, uh, and they were. I mean, they just had their thing. Their routine was on par. It was perfect. And they did their whole thing. They got their nice little uh, ovation. They got their boom and all that stuff. And right after, they were asked by Covina High School Tech Tips to do a podcast with them, which was super cool to see. A couple of my students join a podcast, and they were doing getting interviewed by a couple of other students. It was super empowering with that. Then they asked me to do the podcast and do a little bit. Not sure when that's going to drop, but we're really excited and waiting for that one. And then that that whole sparked my interest in podcasting, but that that's a different story. And what we so after that they did their whole thing. They presented. They were asked questions about well, what do you want to do next? And like well, we really we have an comparatively an old school in the district where our school is built in the 1960s and for a lot of it it shows but we have amazing students and amazing staff that take really good care of it so you could never tell that it was actually that old but to me it was like the kid the students were we want new bathrooms whatever it is the classrooms are fine the teachers are great the kids are fine but the bathrooms are just horrible and i go Oh, I was expecting food or something like that where we can't control. And they're like, no, we just want new bathrooms. They're like, well, so what are you going to do about it? Like, well, we're going to start a petition. We're going to start We're going to start talking to people. And I go, well, who are you going to talk to? Like, we have a school board, right? I'm like, yeah. 
So we got them scheduled. They did their three-minute boom at our school board meeting. And right then, right there, they uh, one of the board members was like, well, what do you want to do? And they, they had a, I, they planned it without me. They had a whole on list of, well, this is how we're going to raise money, and this is what we're going to do for them. And they, wow. want, they wanted new toilets. They wanted new sinks. They actually wanted real mirrors. And they're like, well, we're going to have a cookout. Then we're going to have a movie night. And then we're going to also have a dance. And they were preparing all these things. And they had all these like people lined up. And I'm like, please tell me you didn't call a DJ yet. Like We need to make sure that we can actually get the rooms and get the space available. And I'm like, oh, what did I get myself into? And the board members were like, that's a phenomenal idea. Here's a $200 donation to your input cost right now. And I'm like, wow. Whoa, this is cool. We're getting somewhere. So just a quick little three-minute mic drop from these students has created this chain reaction of like almost a GoFundMe and a full-on committee to renew and re-energize the bathrooms at our old school, which is unreal and un- like I never would have fathomed something of that as from just a, a mic drop. Well, and that's like what when you always hear about 21st century skills instilling in students, you know, or the four C's. I mean, they're this is design thinking. They're they're authentically seeing a real world problem and creating solutions for it. And how do you? But how do you grade that? Is my admin? <laughs> Ooh, I I got a pro tip for you on that one. Ooh. So you. You get the rubric and you start by looking at backwards design. It's it's hard because you're maybe starting from the end and then <laughs> going back to the beginning, so it's not quite like UDL backwards uh, design. Seven habits but... of highly effective people type deal. Think of the end in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You have the end in mind, so you maybe start there, but then you're looking at the standards. Okay, which of these standards? you know, do do I want to teach and which kind of line up with this, you know, once you know what your desired result is and plug and play. And then you maybe have some things in there for professionalism, you know, artistic design, maybe things about uh, going above and beyond. And you maybe reach out and you talk to some folks like on the board or in the industry and what are some things they're looking for and those are the types of things that I've done with my students and the more I share and the more feedback I get from my students from community members the better and better my PBLs become yeah you know it becomes more than just a PBL it becomes like a a business in some aspects yeah I think you're right on and it, I mean, some of the PBLs are businesses, really, and all you have to do is put a name on it and slap a sticker on it, and you can start selling these products. Where I mean, a lot of the stuff that we do, I mean, what stops a kid from selling something that they make in school? Right. I don't know. I mean, if it's good enough and it's done right. Okay. So, uh, gym kits were created, I think, over in Texas at a PBL high school. The name escapes me right now, but it's a pretty famous one. I think Obama gave his blessing to it a while back. I remember reading an article about it. And I don't remember exactly what gym kits do, but spelled G I M K I T S, 
and I believe the guy is a senior now, and he came up with these kits a couple of years ago for teachers to use, and it's really taken off. I need to investigate more. I kind of put it off to the side. I bookmarked the stuff after I looked at it, and, and it's been a few months, but I need to revisit and see. I remember it was something I was investigating for a while, but life happened, and uh, I put it on the back burner, but that's totally you know what we want for our kids we want to give them these real world skills and if they can make a business out of it and succeed why not and i had a student this year raise 922 dollars for care packages for wow. teachers and she's on her second round so i told her hey round two you let me know what you need and you know i'll get you you know i'm gonna help you out so we're working on the side with that and this is like an out-of-classroom thing. Yeah, we're, we're like a team. And really, like you said before, I'm not so much in like a traditional teacher role with that, but more of a facilitator, a guide, kind of like a a master with an apprentice. I think of those kung fu movies, not master in terms of, <laughs> you know, overlording, but yeah. master like, hey, I have some you insight. The- you have that better Fu Manchu is what it really Yes, the Fu Manchu. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did tell some of my students, seventh period, if we raise enough money for 3D printers for uh, the classroom, I'll shave half my beard off for like a day or two. And they were, they were all gung-ho. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. You, you might be seeing me at the next Q event with half a beard. I'm going to timestamp this one and make sure we get this one going. <laughs> right. I know a lot of people would want to see that. <laughs> I so, think I'm uh, going to start uh, donating to your class then. Yeah. Really, can, can you drop that link in, yeah, in the right. show notes so we know, we know where to get this going? We're making it yeah, we got, this week. We got to make uh, the donors choose happen on that, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what would even the hashtag be for that? Uh, ditch that beard. Oh, I, so, I oh sweet. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Matt, you Matt, oh, one, you can you? even have Matt Miller cut it off. You should. Oh. <laughs> I bet you he would, too. <laughs> I would say shave his head, but I mean, it's already done. Hey, let's, let's throw, throw it in there. Hey, if Matt Miller's doing it, Hey, let, let's throw in the hair. We we could go with the hair. I've I've shaved my head before. I got a nice round noggin. It won't look too bad All for right. a little while. <laughs> you're you're officially on record for saying that. I know. <laughs> Just Somebody's gonna hold me accountable. We'll yeah. see. But hey, it's remind me in sweet three D printers in the classroom. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, it's been great having you on the show. Um, One last thing, if you could just give us like some quick pro tips on podcasting, like in like a couple minutes for somebody who's never done it with their kids, what should they use or what can they use and how should they start? Sure. So, I mean, I'm going through this right now where after doing Kid Boom and them showing me uh covina high school showing me how to do their podcast of students it was super empowering for me to say hey we can do that what's what's stopping us from doing it and all i really needed was a couple of mics i went on amazon did some searching for what i need and i was able to get a system in a full-on 
uh, unit for my classroom, which is really killer. And sorry, but I'm using it right now, so I know it works well. <laughs> I'm, I, I took it home to test it out is what I'm, I'm, my official record saying is going to be. But, I mean, all you really need for podcasting is a computer and a mic. And you don't need a headset. You don't need the super expensive, cool-looking soundboard. Does it help? Sure. But if you don't know how to use it, there's no point to it. So I went with the latter. I had no idea how to use a soundboard, so I got one anyways. <laughs> and so what I've been doing with that is that I've been having my students record, just record themselves and just getting them used to the idea of talking in third person rather than first person. And that really was super important for me in my students that I saw for this year because I saw a lot of them they were recording and they didn't know what to do they're they're trying to mimic their favorite YouTubers or Twitch streamers and it was like well that that's not very educational in a lot of sense and I go but wait it actually really is depending how they do it and and the right application was totally important so we started watching YouTube we started watching Twitch yes in school and what we did was that we really recognized what's important to people and what's not important to people and we're starting to mimic and create our own little i mean it's essentially a brand of what you're doing and it really just totally transformed the classroom where students are on there i didn't hit record for the first week because all i wanted them to do was get used to hearing their own voice in their headset and just talking out loud in third person and what I did for that week was that I had them either one record a chapter from a book that they were reading, so they just had an audio recording of what they were doing, or I actually had them, uh, this one was the scary one, I had them announce what was going on in class, kind of like a sports announcer, where they were kind of like in the press booth and they were just saying what's happening in the classroom and who's doing what and what like, the teacher was doing and what they were saying and what the kids were responding with. I didn't record that. I probably should have because that would be totally awesome to listen to what a, the students think about what's going on in the classroom. But, I mean, it's really just creating that sense of normalcy with them. And once you have that sense of normalcy, the students kind of just pick it up where they're these digital natives know exactly what to do based on what they've seen on YouTube or Twitch or whatever uh, streaming thing that they, they watch or listen to because I, there's who knows how many out there that we don't even know as teachers and adults. And from there, I've had kids come up with projects for their novel studies, and they just wanted to talk about the chapters of the book. And I go, that's a totally different way. It's a speaking, so we get those ELD standards going in that. And these kids totally rocked it, where they were just like talking about each chapter. And I they were not held back by a pencil or a paper or or typing it out on on a some essay they were just free flowing having the conversation and that was super enlightening to see that these kids can have these conversations cuz they don't they're not the most articulate sometimes mm-hmm. you know and they're and when they're writing it on on paper it's like but what were you really trying to say But by putting it in a podcast and recording it, you can go back to it. You can see what's going on. You can hear them. And it's a live tape. 
of what is really going in, in and out of these kids' brains. And by doing that, I felt like I've gotten so much more, not more work, but I got higher quality work while doing that. And that's what we all want, right? We want the best for them and the best from them. And from what it sounds like, that's what you're getting. And by doing similar things, I feel like I'm really getting the most out of my students. Yeah, I'm sacrificing in terms of the formal essay, right? That formal old school writing. But what they're gaining is practical purposeful writing 22nd 22nd century skills we're almost a quarter of the way through this 21st century we need to get these kids ready for that 22nd century because they're probably going to be let's hope that majority of them are going to be alive for that time so i mean we need to get them ready for when they grow up and when they and they have children and we got to prepare them for that future where it is that 22nd century and we should really start have that conversation of that rather than having, oh, let's get ready for that 21st century. The 21st century is already here. Yeah, and you... No, you're spot on. You get into, you know, you we want to, you know, get our students into that higher order thinking, but you're getting that with them where they're analyzing, judging, summarizing, and, you know, doing analysis on their own just as they're interpreting uh, what they're talking about and that's just coming through and so just these different opportunities for students to uh, have their voice be heard they're actually getting into some higher order thinking as well absolutely but one thing i do have to say before that is that i've learned from my schooling and not just college but high school and elementary maslow before blooms where Knowing the student and knowing where the student's in a right place, you're not going to get any of that higher order thinking unless the kid is ready, willing, and happy to learn at that time of day. That's a really great point about the Maslow before Blooms, just building that student uh, relationships, the rapport with the students, being mindful to look for the good and the positive in the students and being sincere about that. Um, social emotional learning, uh, there's a lot going on in that area. Um, and even having the students go around the room uh, and sharing what is going good in their lives. Uh, for a lot of students, uh, positive experience, being feel that they're being cared for isn't always happening uh, in their school or outside of the school. And so definitely you hit on a great point there with the um, definitely taking the mindfulness of Maslow before Blooms. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and thank you so much for being on the show. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your spring break uh, to be with us and time away from the family. Oh, it's so much fun, though. Let's get ready for cool tools and pro tips. Paul was sharing with us podcasting in the classroom. And for this segment, we thought we'd share with you some really neat features coming to a couple podcast apps. So the first one is Overcast. 
You can find this in your mobile or tablet app store or online at overcast.fm. Uh, TNT EdTech Podcast is in Overcast, so you can find us there as well. Uh, but Overcast has added this really useful feature for listeners where they have the ability to share clips of episodes online. So you can share a clip of an episode you're listening to on social media, in an email, or in a text message. Uh, this is a really neat feature that you haven't been able to do with podcasts or audio like this uh, to send a, a short audio episode segment of what you're listening to. So I think this is pretty cool. Uh, so to share it in the Overcast app, you just click in the top right hand corner, click the share icon, and you're going to select share clip. And it brings you to a new screen where you can kind of select the timeline that segment of the episode that you're listening to that you want to share out and you have a couple ways to share it out you can share it out just as an audio link you can also share it as um you know vertical landscape square video kind of with the the badge of the podcast uh as well with it so this is pretty neat way that you can now share different clips of episodes um especially on social media so Definitely try that out. We'd love to see you sharing out some TNT EdTech podcast uh, using the Overcast app. So we look forward to that. The second one is a new app from the founders of HipChat. And this new app is called Swoot. S-W-O-O-T. And again, you can find that in your app store. You also can find it at swoot.com, S-W-O-O-T.com. What Swoot allows you to do is you can follow your friends and your friends and yourself uh, add the podcast that you're listening to into the app. And you can listen to them right through the app. But the really cool feature of this is you can see what your friends are listening to or what they recommend. And that's one of the number one ways people are finding podcasts is mostly through word of mouth or through their friends. And it shows you what episodes that are currently trending, what episodes your friends have listened to at least 20% of the episode. As you know, like uh, YouTube, you can see views. Uh, the listening counts for podcasts, we can't really see them as listeners. So we don't necessarily see how many people are listening to what podcast at what time. And so this is one way to kind of engage your friends and your audience and see what they're listening to. They can see what you're listening to. And then you can get some recommendations of podcasts. And again, it will definitely show you if your friends are listening to at least 20% of the episode. So um, they have gone more than just clicking to listen to it. So it's a really neat way to bring up that podcasting conversation and sharing of podcasts as well. Again, that's Swoot. And the other one was Overcast. So get to podcasting and continue to support this emerging and engaging media. Thank you, everyone. You've been listening to the TNT EdTech podcast. Make sure you find them at, at TNT EdTech or at TNTEdTech.com. Please make sure that you leave a review on Apple Podcasts to tell them what you think about the show.